From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. All right, here we are, rocking it for another great edition of the Automotive ADHD Show. My name is Matt West, here to talk to you about cars. That, of course, if you're familiar with this show, you know that's what this is about. I mean, it's also it's also in the name, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, we have had a another snowy week here in Colorado, and I got to say, I always enjoy the snow. Maybe I'm weird again. I find driving in the snow to be fun, um, and it can sometimes be challenging. Um, now, that said, you know, we've, I just, I've got a fun show in the works. I mean, especially following some kind of serious talk the past couple weeks about tires, the I-95 incident in Virginia, um, you know, winter preparedness. I got just some fun, lighthearted stuff this week. I mean, so Dodge, for instance, is um, planning to replace the Hemi. They haven't said with what yet, but a uh, good indication is it could be a straight six. Yeah, and it's been a while since uh, uh, Chrysler, Mopar, Dodge, whatever. They call themselves Stellantis now. It's been a while since they've had a straight six. They have had them in the past. Um, Also, EVs haven't beat us yet. There is a uh, there's a new study out that has some really interesting information. And, and sure, you know, push comes to shove. People still like gas cars. That's good stuff. I'll tell you about that. Uh, also going to do uh, some talk about the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. That that counts as a car, right? I mean, it's a it's a giant sausage with wheels, but it has wheels and cars also have wheels. So uh, um, and uh, share some interesting parts with some other cars like the Acura NSX, perhaps the Corvette. I don't know. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. But before we do, I I wanted to mention uh, this. Uh, I I have failed as a gearhead. Yeah, uh, one sacred task that all auto enthusiasts have is passing this degenerate, expensive hobby on to the next generation. We do this, you know, by imparting our love of cars onto uh, susceptible children. And uh, I had a fantastic, spectacular blunder yesterday. So I I was getting ready to visit uh, Mr. OBD1 Kenobi, Brian. Uh, He was a guest on last week's show. I was going to his shop, going to go visit him. And I was getting into the $800 $800 Stroker Jeep, and uh, as, as I was getting into it in my driveway, there's a family that walks uh, there. They they go and walk out around the neighborhood. They have their young kids, two young boys, uh, and they walk by my house. And when the kids go by, sometimes I've got the garage door and I'm working on cars and stuff. And uh, they, they like to call my house the race car house. They're like, look, look, it's the, the race car house, which is fine and all. And it's good, you know, and they seem to enjoy the cars, though they really should raise their standards from uh, my fleet of cars. Just uh, just throwing that out there. But but uh, the, the thing is, so I was I was getting into the Jeep and the kids stopped walking to look at it and watch it start. And uh, and one of the youngest, the youngest kid there uh, motions to me after I had started it to like, whoa, it started. It's it's loud. It's got a glass pack, uh, you know, muffler in it. Not much else. It's a straight six. It's, a, you know, four point six liters straight six. We're talking about straight sixes. Right. Uh, and uh, but what he does is I'm pulling out of the driveway. He motions to me to do the the trucker horn thing. He pulls his hand like up and down, you know, the trucker horn thing. He does that. And I reach for the horn. Obviously, I want to appease the kids needs uh, of hearing the horn. And then I remember the Jeep doesn't have a horn. Sadly, sadly, it has it hasn't had one for years. Uh, it's just been absent from in there. It's been missing. I have never really it, it's a. You know, it's an off roader. It's it was 800 bucks. I've never really cared to put another horn in it. And uh, and anyway, so I, I was like, oh, no, kid didn't 
he wants the horn. I can't honk the horn. So I just kind of smile and wave to him awkwardly as I uh, back back the Jeep out. And he motions to me to do the horn thing again. He's like, D -d do it again. And he's like thinking I didn't see it. And I just kind of have to wave to him. I, I blip the throttle. I try to rev it. No, he's not satisfied. He wants the horn. And all I could do is pull out of the the driveway and pass him on as he looked at me with these soul crushing, soul crushing look of disappointment. And um, and I, I, I have absolutely failed. That kid may never be the same. He, he may grow up to hate cars and I have ruined this child. I've, I've failed as a uh, as an auto enthusiast to impart this degenerate passion on. And I mean, worse yet, this kid might grow up to buy a Tesla when he's older, all because I failed him. So, yeah, I have that unfortunate news to present to you, but it is what it is. We can't we can't make everyone happy sadly enough so it is what it is but hey on the topic of um on the topic of uh, straight sixes you know i was mentioning the 800 stroker jeep uh it's got a 4.6 liter straight six that's kind of like a junkyard uh stroker build i did it on the cheap for about 1200 bucks and um i did a whole show uh, on stroker motors if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about what that is why it's cool uh go way back i want to say it was episode like Two or two or four. One of those way back in your podcast feed. Go check that out. It's pretty good stuff. Really informational. And uh, Jeep, for instance, has used the straight six engine for for decades uh, until about 2007. Uh, the 2006 model year was the last year to use that. And they haven't had one for for a while now. Uh, but that soon could change because Jeep's parent company, Stellantis, which also owns Dodge, Chrysler, Yacht, uh, among other things. And um, for a long time, they've had talks about a straight six. There have been rumors. Now, I am always I'm always hesitant to talk about rumors, especially early on. It's never worth talking about like way far out. It really isn't. And, you know, though, I do think there comes to be a time when enough stuff comes out, enough things are verified that it's not just a rumor at this point. And that that's what's happened here in the form of um, a straight six engine that they have they didn't announce, but one of the um, the Stellantis website uh, had on it inadvertently. Apparently, it was maybe a mistake on their web development team. It listed all the engines that they make and where they're made. And Stellantis manufactures um, its V8 engines in Mexico. And uh, that includes the Hemi V8s, the Hellcat V8s, all of those. They manufacture those uh, at one of their plants in Mexico. And it listed also another engine designated as a three liter straight six. And everyone looked at that. You know, people on forums were watching this like, huh, that's weird. They don't have a three liter straight six. Well, there have been talks of that for a while. And, uh, you know, there have been little leaks here and there. But this is a big thing there that recently, I think, um, helps substantiate this a little bit. And when you think about it, even, you know, barring uh, from rumors, because no one really likes rumors. When you think about it, a straight six is a really good platform uh, to have, especially when you're trying to make a lot of torque. You're trying to make it cheap because, you know, straight sixes are simple to make. They have one cylinder head instead of two. You know, on a V6, you got two cylinder heads, one for each bank, two different separate valve trains. Straight six, you only have one. Uh, it's easier to service. All the spark plugs and everything are there. It's easier to manufacture. Um, and uh, it has some distinct performance benefits, too, because when you think about it, everybody's favorite JDM icons, you know, the Supra, the Skyline GTR, you know, those cars famously use straight sixes. Everybody, I find it interesting, too. Everyone gives V6s a lot of crap. But straight sixes, whoa, no, those are cool instead. I mean, at the end of the day, they have the same displacement. They're going to make about the same amount of power. 
not too big of a difference. But one thing that is really cool about V6s is, is their smoothness because of the layout, because of how a straight six is configured. You have your crankshaft, you got your pistons. Um, basically, and, and to put it simply, if a piston goes up, another one goes down equally, meaning straight sixes are very balanced and they're very smooth and they don't need extra complexities like V6s need. A lot of V6s, in order to be smooth, use balance shafts and all sorts of stuff to try to get out vibration that's inherent in the platform. Well, straight sixes don't have that problem. That's also why they've been a favorite of um, like uh, uh, European luxury cars. You know, BMWs have famously used straight sixes, a lot of them. Uh, and a lot of Mercedes platforms have been straight sixes over the years. They're really, really smooth. They come up to RPM very well. They have a good kind of mid-range, uh, really good I would say amount of torque as well for what they are. Uh, and again, my Jeep's a great example of that. I'm pushing about 300 pound feet of torque from a six cylinder. That's like almost V8 numbers. And it's all in the, in that Jeep, at least with the cam I have, it's all in the low RPM range. So, um, you know, and Stellantis could very well turn this. I don't like calling them Stellantis still. I mean, I still call them um, FCA, Fiat Chrysler. I mean, there's still some people who call them Daimler Chrysler, which that's Okay, maybe that's a bit much, but, you know, Stellantis could be very well making the American 2JZ for all we know, and that wouldn't be unheard of because Ford actually makes a straight six even now, and uh, we just don't have it here in the American market, and that is uh, a series of engines in Australia known as the Barra motor engine, uh, series of engines, Barra is what they call it, and, uh, you know, and that's f uh, favored heavily by enthusiasts there, and people there bolt big turbos on these things and they're making four digit horsepower on like stock parts. I mean, the Ford Barra engine there is uh, really, really well loved. So who's to say Stellantis can't make a straight six. And when you think about what vehicles they have to put them in, you know, Dodge Rams, Jeeps, uh, stuff like that. Those are already uh, front engine rear wheel drive. One thing the straight six is not very good at is, um, you know, packaging, because if you have a transverse setup, a front wheel drive car, you're not really getting much of a straight six in there. Volvo did it with the T6 uh, engine, the T6 white block. But the fact is, you really have to cram that in there because you got this long engine sideways. Now, when you have it uh, mounted in a front engine rear drive configuration, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And they're so easy to work on. Gosh, straight sixes are, are good platforms. Uh, some things that, you know, there's not all benefits. Uh, sometimes at really high RPMs, you have this really long crankshaft compared to a V6 or a V8. You got this really long crankshaft and that can develop vibrations uh, at high RPMs. If it's not perfectly balanced, that can damage it. Um, camshafts can also warp and, you know, it's, it, you get weird stuff that happens. So that's one reason why you don't have any straight eight engines, which those existed like back in the thirties. And <laughs> again, there's a good reason we really don't use those in cars at the very least. So, um, you know, and it's also interesting to point out that executives at Dodge have said the V8's days are numbered. Well, they didn't say it. they said the Hemi's days are numbered. And, uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think this straight six platform that has been kind of leaked as well through Stellantis's website. There's been um, uh, leaks as well on like dealer order forms. You know, there's there's enough things to say that yeah, there's a good chance this is actually going to happen. It's made it far enough. Uh, you know, will we see it in the next year? Perhaps when will we see it in a car? Probably not until the 2024 model year would be my prediction. But I also don't think this is truly going to replace the Hemi V8. I mean, Dodge 
wants to do some electric stuff. They want to do their e-muscle stuff, which is fine and all. Um, but there's a group of people who just want a big, gigantic muscle car with a big, gigantic uh, V8 with a supercharger. And you're not going to convince that group of people. Well, we discontinued the V8, but we got this Turbo 6. We got this Turbo 6, uh, which it's worth noting that the um, the. Uh, drawings and everything. There was even a patent that was uh, issued as well to Stellantis about this straight six. Uh, it does show it with the turbocharger. Will they all have turbos? Who knows? But um, th that said, you're not going to convince these muscle car people to, you know, I mean, you're not, you're not going to convince them to have a straight six, a turbo six, when they're there for a big choppy V8. I like turbo straight sixes. You know, I've always been a fan of the import cars. Again, the Supra famously used one of those, you know, the, 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 the two JZ, you know, everyone loves the two JZ. So, um, but you know, I think it'll be interesting. I think especially if this platform makes it into Jeeps, that'll be cool. That'll be kind of a throwback to the old days of Jeeps. I mean, Jeep used the straight six as kind of a byproduct of, uh, when they were owned by American motors and they used them for, I mean, like 30 years. It's the same engine too. Pretty pretty much the same engine. American Motors is not known for changing up their formula very often, though they were they made reliable-ish drivetrains. Um, I also own a um, American Motors Hornet, and AMC Hornet uses basically again the same engine, though that one's in three point eight liters. But whatever, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know what? American Motors, AMC. That's a company I wish would come back. Not because they would make good cars, but just because they were weird. I will. <laughs> that's a whole nother topic, though. The history of that. They're one of my favorite car companies. That's, that's for a different show. That's for a different show. But coming up in just a minute, uh, I'm going to be talking about the um, uh, some EV statistics and, uh, and and why people maybe actually aren't as ready to buy EVs as car companies would lead you to believe. There's some really interesting stuff. There's a new study out. I'll tell you about it in just a minute. Did you know, there's a rare but serious condition affecting one out of every million? Most are born with it, and despite decades of research, doctors struggle to find a cure. The truth is, thousands of people simply don't know what cars are. For those affected, things are grim, but recent developments show promising success. New clinical trials using breakthrough audio technology have shown a 69% improvement in patients with the most severe symptoms. Treatments vary, but one day we may see a cure. More information is available at ThrottleWarrior.com. we go that's jesse and his supercharged ap1 s2000 sounding fantastic the car is now turbocharged there was a video from when he had the uh, supercharger on it gotta love the sound of those high revving four cylinders and boost uh that said if you want to send your car sounds into the show i do play car sounds on the show it's always a lot of fun and i'm going to be doing some giveaways here really soon i've been organizing i've been talking about it for a few weeks i know but i have been organizing some stuff that i might be ready to uh, uh debut for next week's show that i can give away to people who send their car sounds in so if you want to get in on that early be sure to send some sound of your car doing something cool it doesn't have to be ridiculous don't have to do anything insane to do it just send it into the automotive adhd Facebook page. Go check that out while you're there. Be sure to give that page a like as well. And I uh, want to thank a bunch of people as well who liked it recently in the past week. Uh, Jamie Hernandez, Aaron Din, Matt Berry, uh, and, and a bunch of others. So you got to go check it out. Facebook.com 
slash automotive ADHD. Now, I got a quick piece of news right here uh, that maybe is sad news. So there is a massive auto enthusiast publication um, called Drive Tribe. And uh, they're closing up shop at the end of this month. And I mean, they're huge. Millions of people use the platform. But the problem is, uh, and it's really uh, in some of the background here before I get into the problem, the problem uh, or the background rather is uh, it was founded around 2016 by the former Top Gear hosts, everyone's favorite, you know, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, James May, or um, as they call them in the UK presenters. It's a bit of. It's a bit presumptuous, but anyway, uh, it was founded as sort of this thing that could be uh, that auto enthusiasts could post their own editorial stuff, columns, articles, and it's a neat concept. Think of it kind of like YouTube, but for car stuff and also, um, you know, written articles and again, columns and things like that. And, uh, you know, and it spawned some really cool stuff. And in fact, I, you know, it even spearheaded some people's careers in automotive journalism, which is really cool to see. And it's also a neat avenue for people like me who can't shut up about cars. So uh, and uh, and what was really cool about the platform is they had editors who would curate the content. So actual people, instead of like YouTube, which uses a computer algorithm to promote stuff, they would have actual people sift through the stuff and you know, post on the front page, curate that, you know, and post things that are, you know, that other people made that are really interesting. And that was cool because that, you know, meant that if you posted stuff there, it didn't just get swallowed up into the faceless abyss of the YouTube algorithm, for instance. Uh, you know, and I enjoy writing at times as well myself. I've posted a, a handful of things there. I uh, One of the coolest things was I, uh, I did an op-ed about Back when they announced the uh, Mark V Supra, uh, which we now know is a BMW, and that's okay, though, uh, I wrote an op-ed about why it's actually a great car and why everyone's wrong for hating it and saying it's crap because it's a BMW. That's not, in my opinion, that's even now, it's still not true. And the crazy thing is it got like 50,000 views in, in two days. And that was the cool thing about Drive Tribe. If you posted something good, good chance is the uh, curators would actually see it and bump it up to the front page. So... And it's sad to say that that is going away now. And uh, they cited economic factors, business, running, you know, all these servers and stuff during the pandemic, especially. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's a number of reasons, not any not because people weren't using it. Plenty of people are using it. But just because you got a lot of people using it doesn't always mean you can always sell enough ads to keep the lights on and get enough sponsorships to keep things going. And um you know, they had an initial amount of money to start with, again, funded by Hammond, Clarkson and, and May. And uh, that money ran dry very quick, though. It's uh, turns out it's very expensive to uh, run a huge social media platform like that. And uh, which, again, it's unfortunate. They said it's just business. This is how things go. And uh, yeah, that's that's too bad because there's not really another platform like it, to my knowledge. Maybe if you know, uh, you can let me know uh, as well. And I'll, I'll share that here on the show. Let me know on the uh, uh, automotive ADHD Facebook page. Now, uh, you know, Jalopnik for a period of time had perhaps the closest thing. They had a form called Opposite Lock, which was sort of, a, you know, a user kind of generated thing. People wrote their own stuff to put on there, which was cool. Uh, but that met an untimely demise last year. So yeah, it looks like, you know, there's a demand for this, but it's very hard to make it profitable, which that's a tough part of being in business. Like, yeah, people love this. They're using it, but we have a hard time making money with it, for instance. So even though people love it, 
doesn't mean it keeps the lights on. It is what it is. Uh, rest in peace, Drive, ti- Drive Tribe. I will uh, I will keep the torch burning. How about that? How about this? This podcast, I will, I will carry that torch of nonsensical automotive things, and uh, and we'll do it here. Also, maybe we can do a little more of that on the um, uh, Facebook page, uh, Automotive ADHD Facebook page. So anyway, let's not be glum about it. There's many more exciting things uh, to talk about, like, uh, for instance, EVs. Well, it turns out, they aren't winning. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a recent study and I find it interesting. So it says majority of car buyers say right now, like true actual car buyers, not backseat couch car buyers like <laughs> I, I can be sometimes. Um, no, they say that they're still not going to buy EVs. In fact, 69 nice percent of them say that they are still going to buy a gasoline or diesel vehicle as their next vehicle purchase. And again, this is a survey of people with actual, you know, cash in hand, true car buyers. And um, and so they only said, by the way, um, let's see, 17 percent of people are going to buy hybrid electric. And then only five percent of people said they're going to buy plug in hybrids. Uh, as well. And then there's also battery electric vehicles, which comes down to another 5%. So uh, yeah, and that's really, that's interesting because the automotive media and a lot of people will tell you, oh man, EVs, it's it's what's happening now. Everyone's getting EVs. It's really good stuff. But when it comes to actual cash in hand, the numbers say that's not true. And I'm not doing this to, to bash on EVs at all. This is just a statistic of what's happening now. I mean, as EV technology gets better, I imagine a lot more people are going to be getting on board with it. But, you know, in my analysis uh, for some of the reasons for this, uh, primarily cost is a number one factor because EVs right now are still very much in the luxury market. There's cheaper ones, like Nissan Leaf and stuff. But uh, primarily EVs are still a luxury car type of item. And uh, so cost, that's that's a big deal. Uh, also, uncertainty. This is a new platform. People are unexperienced with it. Um, it's got, you know, there's questions about the infrastructure. You know, there's there's uncertainty there. And when it comes to actual money and especially, you know, coming off the heels with the pandemic and all sorts of economic factors, people hold on to their money a little tighter sometimes, though. If you look at current car prices, that that might be harder to believe. People are paying huge money for some cars. But that said, uh, you know, reliability also comes into question here because, you know, sure, uh, electric powertrains have actually proven to be really reliable and really simple. There's a lot less stuff going on and there's a lot less need for maintenance. But weird, quirky, broken, underdeveloped software that runs these cars is definitely played into some reliability concerns, in my opinion. Uh, charging infrastructure again. I mean, that's it's a huge deal. I mean, you know, you can go fill up a tank of gas in your car and uh, and do it very quickly. So uh, now the, st- the same study also looked into some of these factors about why people are hesitant to buy EVs. And, and some of them are kind of like what I hit on, too. Um, you know, one of the biggest factors in the U.S. is um, going to be stuff about like lower fuel costs. Uh, as as opposed to climate change and all that stuff, no low fuel costs, which I find interesting because a lot of people have broken down depending on how you drive and where you get your electricity. Sometimes, in some cases, the electricity can actually cost more or just as much. Um, so I don't know if lower fuel fuel costs is necessarily accurate, but uh, that's neither here nor there. What I find surprising is way down on the list of people's concerns is less maintenance to me that would seem like you know 
that would seem like a better selling factor for EVs. Like there's no oil changes. I mean, like your regular um, service intervals. I was I was talking to Brian, OBD1 Kenobi. He works on, you know, Volvos and all their new stuff and some of their EVs. He's like, man, the 20,000 mile service interval is like a cabin air filter change and that's it, you know? So, uh, you know, that as a driver seems really appealing. You know, a lot of people suck at taking care of their cars. Let's be real. And uh, they do. Uh, and, you know, so if you have less things to worry about, I think a lot more people would be interested in that. But according to this study, that's kind of near the bottom of people's lists. So I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Um, and I think, again, you know, money is super important in a way people sort of vote with their dollar when it comes to products, uh, you know, and everyone can say at the end of the day, oh, yeah, electric cars are great. I want an electric car. It's good. But when it comes to actually buying one, seeing the numbers, seeing what people with cash in hand are actually doing is uh, really interesting. So um, anyway, hey, got some other good stuff to hit on here in the next segment of the show. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking about the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, which does count as a car. I know this is a car show. And we're going to talk about a giant sausage with wheels and uh, how it might have some parts compatibility with some surprising stuff. So I'll talk about that in just a minute. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro, we'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. For as little as $5 per month, you can put an end to Project Car's suffering and support your favorite podcast. Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now and receive special perks. Sponsored by Autoholics Anonymous and the Speed Council. Oh yeah, here we are. Third half of the show. Can it be the third half? I think it can be the third half. <laughs> Matt West here, here to talk to you about cars. I think I cheated a little bit with that car sound. I have a confession. That, that was my car. Uh, Josh Maldonado uh, messaged me on Instagram and, and talked to me into post and to, to putting that one uh, in the show. And uh, that's what, okay, I was driving the 86 around my old crusty, rusty Corolla and uh, ripping it around in some of the snow we had here uh, earlier this week in Colorado. And uh, yeah, okay, fine. It's cheating. It's cheating that I put my own car in. What can you do? What can you do? But hey, if you want to send your car sounds, into the show. You got to do it. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. If Facebook isn't necessarily your uh, flavor, you can also email me matt at throttlewarrior.com. Love to hear those car sounds. I love putting them here on the show. And it's just a great way to interact with you and have you have cool things on the show. So I I absolutely like doing that. So uh, before we talk about some some Wienermobile sausage talk, uh, <laughs> let's uh, I want to I want to hit on this first. Why does Japan Get all the cool stuff because, you know, they always have right. Like you think about like the Skyline GTRs, S14, S15 Sylvia, NSX Type R, you know, just to name a few. Uh, the Evo 6, there's many others. There's truly some automotive legends that are forbidden on uh, U.S. shores. And uh, the Japanese, though, they have done it again with another incredibly cool car that we can't get here. And let me give you some hints, right? It's got all wheel drive. It's got VTEC. 
a turbo. Yeah, I've got thinking of, thinking of what you're thinking. Let's see a picture in something. Well, Honda has announced for the 2022 model year, the new step wagon. Yes, <laughs> this is an amusing car. This is, uh, yeah, following a long history of performance legends, a new compact van and think of it like the mini minivan now this is i i kind of say this in jest but this is kind of cool because um you know uh, vans here in the u.s are very boring very average i mean the honda odyssey what a casual normal van i mean yes it's a car yes it gets the family around i know that but it's boring it is. There's nothing interesting about it. In, in Japan, the Japanese market has vans that are really interesting. In fact, they have a huge culture of microvan stuff and people who modify them and do all sorts of weird stuff. And by minivans, these vans are like ultra minivans compared to what we know minivans to be here in the U.S. And a lot of them fall into the K-car category there, which is a... Um, uh, governmental designation for cars of a certain size. They're they're small cars. They're micro cars, basically. Uh, but I mean, think of it cool. Like think of it as you know something that's really cool. You know, what can you get that's fun, small, cheap, reliable, practical? I mean, you know, and has a turbo, has VTEC, has <laughs> has all wheel drive. Like, there's not much like that here in the U.S., which is a bummer. Especially like, imagine you're in the market for a second fun car you need a second car but you need it to be able to haul people around yeah step wagon there you go it's this weird little boxy thing it kind of looks i would almost imagine it looks like the scion xb from like 10 years ago but half the size that that's a, the, X, the xb is a small car this is even smaller but it's cool you get like you can carry stuff it's got it gets 100 million miles per gallon somewhere around there what's to not like about the step wagon and even better again it's got all-wheel drive so if you get stuck step wagon will be there to help i mean i mean come on what what are you doing step wagon <laughs> what are you doing oh my god I, was all of that the lead up to a dead meme i don't know i genuinely think the step wagon is a uh, it's a cool car also interesting name and of course a bummer that we never get the cool stuff here in the U.S. Japan keeps it to themselves. I don't know. That's that's devious of them to do that. But anyway, hey, let's talk about hot dogs. How's that for a segue? <laughs> yeah, that was OK. All right, it was one. But um, I've got, you know, I want to hit on some neat stuff about the Oscar Meyer Wienermobile. And I want to give a hat tip to road and track writer uh, Bozy Tatarvik, uh, hopefully pronouncing that name correctly. Bozy, Bozy. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, for discovering this, uh, and uh, you discovered this mysteriously while browsing the public file for Kraft Foods, the federal public uh, file that's uh, available for some reason. Anyway, I was just browsing through there. Maybe that's maybe that's what he does in his free time. I don't know. But anyway, um, this uh, this road and track writer found the VINs to all of the Wienermobiles and did some research from there. And from that, he was able to break down the whole supply chain, basically, for the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, which is kind of cool. So it, like, it turns out that it shares a ton of parts with all sorts of cool cars. So it is based on an uh, Isuzu industrial truck chassis, uh, you know, like the sort of ones that come with just a cab and then there's big frame rails in the back exposed, you know, so that way you as a company put whatever you want on it. Uh, but in said chassis is the L96 Chevrolet V8. That is a six liter V8 is basically the iron block version of the LS2 
which is found in a lot of Corvettes. Uh, and then that is made it up to a 6L90 transmission, which is the transmission from the uh, Cadillac CTS-V, so almost 600 horsepower Cadillac, also the 5th gen Camaro ZL1. How cool is that? Yeah, Camaro's either, you know, you can think of it like this, like either the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile shares parts with the the uh, Camaro or the Camaro shares parts with the Wienermobile, depending on how you want to say that. It's got a little bit of a different context. Um, also, interesting thing. They found that the paint colors are the same as those found on late 1970s Datsun products because reasons, I guess. That's just the perfect hot dog color. I don't know. Um, even stranger, though, is the wheel bearings are shared with the Acura NSX. What? Yeah. And uh, now in the NSX, these bearings are used as differential bearings inside the differential. In the Wienermobile, they're used as part of the whole setup for the wheel bearings, which is interesting. Uh, those bearings uh, can also be found, uh, or rather another part of the wheel bearing assembly can be found on the Mercedes G63. So uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you ever end up purchasing a Oscar Mayer Wienermobile secondhand, that's, uh, that's a lot of stuff to keep track of. You know, when you go to the parts store and they're like, what kind of car do you have? Well, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to explain, right? Especially if you've got any sort of weird car, it's hard to explain. Imagine how hard that would be to explain if you had the Wienermobile. Well, I need parts for an NSX for the wheel bearings. And oh, I need a Camaro transmission and I need a Mercedes, you know, other. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck keeping up with all of that stuff. So, hey, there you go. Now, you know, now you really know what is behind the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Those are such strange things, but everyone, I mean, everyone recognizes them. That's, a th I mean, they're a brilliant piece of brand and marketing and they've existed for, I mean, decades. They've been building those things for forever. So uh, really cool stuff right there. And uh, now, hey, I want to thank you, by the way, for listening. I can't believe it. Half an hour now on the show. That is, uh, regrettably, that's half an hour. Uh, you're not going to get back. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about that, but uh, hopefully it was worth it. And if it was, remember to subscribe to this podcast, wherever fine podcasts and uh, this one are uh, downloaded. Oh, yeah. And I mentioned this last week, too, but you can give this podcast a rating if you are a Spotify listener. I know from looking at my analytics, about 50 percent of people are listening on Spotify. So if that is you Go into the app. You can add ratings now. It's a brand new feature. Give it a six or seven star rating if you would, please. I mean, well, that's uh, it's presumptuous of me to ask that. It only goes up to five. But uh, I don't know. We might have to ask Spotify to change that. So all good stuff right there. And uh, be sure as well to check out the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Send your car sounds in. I like to play them on the show. And I'm going to be doing some giveaways soon for people who have sent their car sounds in. So you definitely want to get on that. Now, I will see you next week. Same time same place when I get in a fist fight with Carol Shelby. See you then. <laughs>